Merry Christmas. You may be seated. It's a painful thing not to know your father's heart. It is a painful thing not to know your father's heart. There was the experience of a young man, a 20-year-old by the name of Larry. And Larry was a, a Chinese-American. His parents had immigrated over to the United States. They were first-generation Americans. He was a second-generation. And, and something happened in his family and in that community that actually is relatively common, apparently, for Chinese-Americans and immigrants, sons of immigrants, and which is that they assumed that Larry would just kind of learn Chinese along the way and that his dad, in particular, would just sort of pick up English along the way. But that didn't happen for either of them. Larry's dad worked hard at a restaurant. He was working 14, 15 hours a day, and he was always working and living in the Chinese language. He never learned English. And meanwhile, Larry had been going to an English school, and he was brought up and reared just speaking that language. He hardly ever saw his dad. He never learned any Chinese. And so they got to this point where Larry is a teenager and he has never had a conversation with his father. Can you imagine? He's lived in the same house with him, but they only communicate, if they communicate at all, just through kind of gestures and signs. Not so much as a single conversation, which of course created all kinds of practical problems, but even more than that, an emotional uh, vacancy in Larry's heart, wondering, what does his father think about him? Does he really love him? Now, I grant that that's an extreme example, of course. But I think for many, if not most of us, you've encountered something like that in your own life. If not from your father, then perhaps from a, another close one or one who should be close where you're left wondering, does he love me? Am I cared for? Do I matter? It's a painful thing not to know the heart of your father. And how much more so when you're talking about the heart of your heavenly father, talking about the, the heart of God. But how could mere mortals ever know God's heart? How could we know God at all? There's an author, a writer by the name of N.T. Wright, who says when people tell him, I don't believe in God, his first response is, well, what God is it that you don't believe in? Because I might not believe in him either. People have all kinds of different ideas about God because how could we ever really know God? Well, there's different ways that we try. I mean, maybe the most basic fundamental way that we try to know God is through creation. I mean, you look at creation, and it's, it's beautiful, it's wondrous. You see a sunset over Lake Michigan, and you say, oh, God is good. And then you get a blizzard where you can't see three feet in front of you, and you wonder, God, are you good? <laughs> but in truth, when you look through creation, you may get glimpses of glory, but you also see plenty of pictures of pain, whether we're talking about disasters, or as the philosopher said, nature red in tooth and claw. If all you're looking at is creation to try and know God's heart, it's going to give you a mixed message at best. And so others say, okay, no, if you, if you want to know God, you need to not look outward, but inward, into your own subjectivity, your own feelings, your own experience. 
There, perhaps, you might have, as it's sometimes called, a burning in the bosom. You might have that, that sense, that feeling of God's presence. And if it comes, it can be a wondrous thing. And yet, how reliable is our own mental state? How reliable are our own feelings? There's all sorts of research that goes into showing that you and I don't really know ourselves at all. My favorite of these is the Dunning-Kruger effect. You ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? The Dunning-Kruger effect says that there's an inverse relationship between your competence and your confidence. In other words, the less competent you are, the more confident you tend to be, right? So if you ever have a really confident pilot, be careful, okay, just saying. We don't really know ourselves, so how could we possibly know God through our own experience? So then what? Well, certainly through the scriptures, and here we're getting much closer. But even in the scriptures, as the, the writer says, in many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old through the prophets, and yet it was a, it was a truism that nobody had ever seen God that, in a sense, he continued to be veiled to all humanity. That if you were to try and to look onto his heart, it would still be hidden. And so for all of this, for all of this, we still can't really know God. We can't really know the Father's heart. Which is why those prophets' feet are so beautiful. As Isaiah says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. What's news? News is not something that you could just rationally deduce, that you could logically figure out in the world. News is a heretofore unknown message. It's a revealing. It's something that suddenly is being published out to the world. As Isaiah says, the one who publishes peace, who says, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet. But who would have guessed that those feet could be in booties? <laughs> that the beautiful feet are of an infant born in a stable, laid in a manger. That the beautiful feet are the feet of our Lord Jesus. In many and various ways, Hebrews says, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, but now, let me hear you say, but now. But now, but now in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And who is that son? John tells us in the gospel. He refers to him in maybe an enigmatic kind of way. He says that he is the what? The word. And why is he the word? Because he is the utterance of the Father. He is the speaking forth of the God of all the universe. He is the one who has now revealed and made known to us the heart of God. No one has ever seen God, John says. But the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And the Greek word there for make him known literally means to, like, to interpret, to open up, to exegete, if you want to get really fancy. He has opened up the Father's heart so that now you and I can see him at long last. This is the gift of the incarnation, that God has made himself known unmistakably in the person of his Son, in the flesh. And when he does, what do we see? We see grace 
upon grace, heaping helpings of grace. At Christmas time, growing up in my family, we would have cheesy potatoes. Let's see a show of hands for cheesy potatoes. You get the, you know, you pass through, you'd get the, the little bit. All right, don't take too much. Then I pass through a second time and get that double heaping. Such is the grace of God given in his son Jesus. Grace upon grace. The law came through Moses. We received that message, that, that word of thou shalt. But now in Jesus, we have the word of gospel and grace that it is finished in him. Now. We have seen the Father's heart at last as he has given to us his son. I told you about that young man, Larry, who grew up not being able to communicate at all with his father, not having so much as a, a single conversation, growing up then with that, that gap in his heart, wondering what does his father really think of him? Well, when he turns 14, something that would seem like it'd be an awful thing turned into a blessing, which is that Larry's dad moved back to China to take over a, a family company. But when he did, he wrote a letter to Larry, and he had his sister, Larry's aunt, translate it into English. It was the first time Larry had ever received anything from his dad, an actual spoken word. And most of it was just really mundane stuff. It was, you know, the kind of things like, this is the day when you need to take out the garbage, and these are the days when you got to help your mom, and da, 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 da. But at the end, he said those three words that Larry had never heard, that he had died and longed to hear those words. I love you. I love you. And Larry said later, he treasured that letter from his father, and that the most important thing about the letter was that for the first time, he says, I knew my dad was speaking directly to my heart. Oh, this is the gift of the incarnation. That in our Lord Jesus, it is a letter from the Father translated through the Son. And what is that message? I love you. I'm for you. No amount of darkness can separate me from you. Martin Luther, in one of his Christmas sermons, said this. He said, let us meditate upon the nativity. I would not have you contemplate the deity of Christ, the majesty of Christ, but rather his flesh. Look upon the baby Jesus. Divinity may terrify man, inexpressible majesty will crush him. That's why Christ took on our humanity, save for sin, that he should not terrify us, but rather that with love and favor he should console and confirm. And listen to this. Now is overcome the power of sin, death, hell, conscience, and guilt. If you come to this gurgling babe and believe that he has come, not to judge you, but to save it's a painful thing not to know the heart of your father. But not so for you. In Jesus, you see the father's heart for you. And that's a thing 
that changes everything. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the offertory.